0: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Greetings, beloved, in the matchless, marvelous, majestic, and magnanimous name of the Lord Jesus. I greet you again this Tuesday with Jesus joy. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and of course, we are rejoicing, and we are glad in the blessing of the day. Certainly grateful and thankful that you have joined us for this segment of our Old Testament Word Walk as we continue in our study of the book of Leviticus, as we are continuing to set sights on our spiritual standards. I pray and trust by now you have your handout, you're ready to dive into the word. Uh, We are continuing in our study of the standard of forgiveness as we're dealing with the atonement And so, of course, prayerfully today, we should wrap up uh, this lesson based upon the 16th chapter of the book of Leviticus. As I shared with you in the outset uh, a couple of weeks ago, there is so much in this one chapter, um, not only from a principle standpoint, but even from a practical standpoint of how we can connect Old and New Testament together to understand our relationship with a holy God in the midst of our sin and our shortcoming. So I pray and trust by now. You've got your handout. You've got your study material. You've got your Bible. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's dive right in. Let's not waste any time. Let's get ready to walk through God's word together. Bow your heads with me now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now telling you thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for our lives, our health, our strength, for being closed in a right mind and able to move from one place to another. God, we say thank you for your goodness toward us. Thank you that you are always mindful of us, that you continue to look beyond our faults and supply us with what we need. Now, God, as I stand before your people, as always, I ask for clarity of speech and thought. I want to be found rightly dividing your word to your people, God. Help me to say what needs to be said. I realize, God, that I have read, I have studied, but only you know what your people need on this Tuesday. Speak to me, speak through me now, that your name will be praised and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, beloveds, when we were last together last week, we dealt with God's instructions, if you will, as it related to the atonement and preparing for the atonement. Last week, we looked at verses three through 22. Uh, Actually, we picked up in verse six, but to really have an understanding, we had to go back to verse three. And understanding several things. Number one, the first thing that we saw last week was the priest had to first prepare himself in order to effectively minister to the people or minister to God on behalf of the people. Uh, Basically, it says to me, and I I don't believe I said this to you all, I know I said it to the in-person class last week, that we must understand that even though as preachers, as priests, we have a high and holy office. We have a high and holy calling. We always have to remember, and sometimes we have to remind those that we are serving, that we are not perfect. We have to make sure that we go before God and that we are properly prepared. My heart, my mind, my spirit, or as we've been walking so far, my attitude, my atmosphere, and even my actions, have to represent the kingdom so far as I am concerned before I can serve you. That's why prayer is so important in the life of the preacher. That's why uh, meditation is so important in the life of the preacher. I'm going to say this now. That's why spiritual self-care is so important in the life of the preacher. Because the preacher cannot properly stand before the people if their hearts, their minds, and their spirits are not cleansed. Last week, we talked about the sacrifices. We talked about the scapegoat and in understanding the two bulls being presented, one would die for the sins, but then there would be a second one that would be left alive and would be allowed to escape into the wilderness as the scapegoat, the covering, the substitute for man and his sin and shortcoming. And I shared with you last week that just as that goat, that bull rather, represented uh, how God allowed man's sin to escape him when he confesses, Jesus Christ is our scapegoat. He is the one who stood in our place, he became our substitute and gave us a right and a reason for righteousness and holy living. I pray that we don't ever forget that. I pray that we hold on to that. Uh, And I pray even the more that we are now beginning to see how Old Testament practice still rolls over into New Testament, confirming what Jesus said, that he did not come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to complete it. So in today's lesson, we're going to wrap up our study Looking at the final uh, 11, 12 verses of chapter 16, we're going to begin at verse number 23 and we're going to travel uh, through uh, the end of the chapter. Um, We've already covered verse 29, if you would remember that one, and we'll go back and look at it again um, as we wrap up our lesson today, um, as we continue in our study of Leviticus, as we set sights on spiritual standards, uh, and we are continuing in our study of the standard of forgiveness, the standard of forgiveness, or as we entitled it, the standard of new beginnings. We've already dealt with point number one. Lesson point number one said that the priest had to be properly prepared. Uh, point number two we said was not only did the priests have to prepare, but also God had given instructions to Moses for the priest, for the people, for the tabernacle. So in today's lesson, we're going to pick up with our third point. The third point of the lesson. We're going to see if we can't wrap this lesson up today as we look at the third point of today's lesson. Uh, the third point, if you're following along of the handout, is the victory of the atonement. The victory of the atonement. Let's read, if you will, a little bit. Uh, let's look at Leviticus chapter 16. Let's look at verses 23 uh, through 38, and uh, then we'll go a little bit further. Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 23, the English Standard Version says, And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation. And shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall he burn upon the altar. And he that let go the goat for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward come into the camp and the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall one carry forth without the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins and their flesh and their dung. And he that burneth them shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water. And afterward, he shall come into the camp. Now, beloveds, if there's nothing else that I want us to see today, how many times in those verses did you see the phraseology of washing? How many times in those verses did you see the phrase that things had to be washed? First of all, go all the way back with me with to verse 23. In verse 23, Aaron comes into the tabernacle. He comes into the tent of meeting. He is now coming out of the holy place where he has spent time offering himself to God, right? And then now he comes out of the tent comes into the tent of meeting. He pulls off the linen garments that he had as a means of sacrifice, right? And then he put, goes into the holies of holies and leaves the garments there. Y'all see that once, once he was for sure, once Aaron was sure that the scapegoat was officially lost in the wilderness, the high priest, Aaron goes into the holy place of the tabernacle, takes off the linen garments, he bathes, and then puts on the official garments. The, the garments that we looked at in the book of Exodus, the, the tunic and the uh um different pieces, the piece that the breast piece, the human and the thorum, all of those pieces of the holy garments, not 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 the garments that were used for offering atonement, but now he puts on his official garments. He has now been cleansed as the priest. He has now offered his sacrifice for his sin. The scapegoat has now been done away with. And so now he puts on his official garments representing the priest on behalf of God's people. Again, it goes back to what we were talking about in the earlier verses. How can I help you if I myself have not gone before God? See, before I can serve you, I have to go before God for me. Amen, somebody, amen. This is a symbol, this is a symbolism of the Lord's return to heaven after he had hung, bled, and died for us, amen. Remember, the Bible says that after he hung, he bled, he died, he went in the grave, he rose again. Acts chapter one gives us to know he ascended back to the father and he now sits. According to the book of Hebrews, he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. Amen. Amen. He has now received the glory that he had laid aside. Look at this now. Aaron had to take off his priestly garments and put on linen garments to offer himself before God. In other words, if I could make it live, I pull off my robes and take off my suits and put on regular clothing to basically come before God and say, God, I know that before I can serve your people, I need to make sure I'm right. I need to make sure I'm cleansed. I need to make sure I'm holy. Is anybody beginning to see where I'm going here? Of uh, The power of the atonement? The atonement, if I could just step forward a little bit into New Testament, we've been dealing with First uh, and 2 Timothy in the New Testament Bible study. It is not, the atonement is not just for the pew. The atonement has to be for the pulpit, and it has to be for the pulpit before it is for the pew. In other words, y'all, let me make it live. I cannot serve you until I have gone before God. Psalm 51 comes to a good reference. You know, I have to pray that same prayer. Have mercy upon me, O God with all of your loving kindness. Can I talk to church leadership, whether you're serving as a pastor or a minister or a church official, a deacon, a trustee, no matter what role of leadership you're in, before you can expect others to follow you, you have gotta first check yourself as a follower. What good is it, according to Matthew seven, what good is it for me to try to get the moat, the splinter, out of your eye if I have not done the work to get the beam out of my eye. Jesus said the first thing I need to do is deal with me first. If, if you don't hear anything else that, that comes from this lesson, this lesson shows us that the atonement is personal. It basically says that as far as I am concerned, I am a sinful man and my sins have separated me from a holy God, and God through the atonement has given me opportunity to make it right. The difference, again I share, between the Old and the New Testament atonement is with the Old Testament atonement, they had to do it once a year, offering their own sacrifice. The New Testament atonement happened once and for all, according to Hebrews 8, when Jesus became our sacrifice for our sin. There are two things that I really want to show us here uh, with with this particular passage of scripture. Two things that we really need to see. And uh, let's see if we can get those up on the screen. The first thing that you see here is that before the priest serves the people, he must wash himself. Did y'all see that? He must wash himself. That basically means that once he washes himself, he bathes himself of the old nature, pulling off the linen garments in verses 23 and 24, and then he puts on his official robes as the priest. He bathes his body in water, Amplified Bible says, and the sacred place puts on his garments, comes forth and offers his burnt offering and that of the people, and then makes atonement for him and for the people. So the two points that I need you to see, letter A under point number three, the priest must first present himself. He's gotta wash himself, puts on his official garments, and then he makes atonement for the people. He is now in his role as the priest, letter B. So now he offers burnt offerings. All right. Remember, we looked at that in verses three through five and then look here again at verse 24, because in verse 24, he offers a ram for himself and a ram for the people. The ram was a symbol of total devotion to the Lord. So that basically says to me here that as he offers it, he basically says, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We give ourselves totally to you, not our will, but let your will be done. Amen. Not not my will. I'm going to say it again. Not my will, but let your will be done. Lord, maybe I need to say that one more time. Not my will, y'all see it, but let your will be done. Mm, I need to say that one more time. Not my will, but let your will be done. God, let me be found being totally dedicated and devoted to you let me live the life that brings praise, glory, and not shame to your name. Is it it making sense, beloved? Is Is it setting in that as people of God, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to make sure that we are totally devoted to God. Not my will, but thy will be done. At the same time, look at it, look at it. The word continues in verse 25 that he offers the fat of the sin offering. Y'all see that? The fat of the sin offering simply says that not only are we seeking total devotion, we also desire to walk in your will in your way we want to be found doing the things that bring glory and honor to God. Because not only are we devoted, but when the, burnt, when the fat of the sin offering is burned, that basically says that we receive the privilege of forgiveness. See, forgiveness and the fear of God go together. For the privilege of forgiveness carries with it the obligation of commitment and obedience. Let me make it live in the New Testament language from us as New Testament believers, Jesus offered himself. All right. To the father in total obedience, father, if it be thy will, let me let this cup pass from me. And y'all remember what happened. He went back and offered himself. And when he went back and found the disciples sleep, he said, father, I'll take the cup, not as my will, but that thy will be done, all right? Once the burnt offerings were presented, once the fat of the sin offering was burned, the high priest supervised the carrying of the sin offering outside of the camp to be burned. Remember, go back to chapter four. We talked about that in chapter four. And remember in chapter four, we said that once it was offered and after it was done, the man who did it had to thoroughly wash himself before he returned to the camp. So what does this have to say for us as as New Testament believers? Here's what it says for us as New Testament believers. According to Hebrews, Jesus is our high priest. He has offered himself on our behalf. He hung, he bled, he died for you and I, amen? So if that be the case, he offers himself as our sacrifice. He becomes, Romans five eleven. he becomes our atonement that puts us at one mint with God, our creator. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we now have the opportunity to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But it's important that I stop here and remind us that it's more than what Christ has done. We have a part in that as well. Amen goes right there. We have a part in that as well. The word of God says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So how was that done? Well, according to Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five said that while we were without strength, Christ died for us in our ungodly state. Before we even thought about being saved, look at this y'all, before we were even thought about being thought about, Christ died for us. Christ died for us knowing we were gonna mess up, knowing we were gonna make mistakes. Why? We were born in sin according to David in Psalm 51. We were shapen in iniquity. So we automatically were doomed from the start because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. So when Christ, the second Adam, becomes our sacrifice, when Christ, the second Adam, becomes our scapegoat, when Christ, the second Adam, stands in our place, we are not only forgiven, But we now have an opportunity to commit our lives to God based upon the sacrifice that was made for us. I hope we're beginning to see this. I I hope we're beginning to see it. All right. Now, Now, understand, beloveds, and I want to share this with you now. The atonement is a picture of what Christ does for us. As a matter of fact, you can find it in the prophecy of Zechariah. Uh, You might want to write this scripture down, as a matter of fact. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10, into chapter 13, maybe verses 1 or 2. I'm going to say verse 2 is where it stops in Zechariah chapter 13. All right? The seventh month begins with the blowing of the trumpet. There's a trumpet call to gather the people together, and it shall come to pass in the prophecy of Zechariah that the Lord shall thresh from the river to the brook of Egypt and you will be gathered one by one. Isaiah 27 verses 12 and 13. O you children of Israel, so it shall be in that day that the great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria and they who are outcast in the land of Egypt shall worship the Lord in the holy mount of Jerusalem. This is also referred to in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 24. Matter of fact, let's read it. Matthew chapter 24, uh, let's go there for a minute. We've got time today. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, let's look at verses 29 through 31 so that you can begin to see how this atonement was spoken of then compared to now, all right? Matthew chapter 24. Verses verses 29 through 31, the word of God says immediately, English Standard Version, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 through 14, says to us that just as the day of atonement was a day of personal affliction, personal reflection for the Jews. So will they mourn when they see the Messiah. We see it here in Matthew chapter 24, but God will give. Thank you. Holy spirit. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Let's look at it real quick. We got, we got a few moments today. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, go, go back there to the old Testament prophecy of Zechariah Zechariah chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 12, and let's look at verses 10 through 14. Yeah, that's it. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 through 14. As a matter of fact, if you would remember, let's go ahead and add in, now that I've looked at it, let's add in chapter 13, verse 1. So we're going to begin with verse 10 and read into uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Zechariah 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn on that day, the mourning in Jerusalem shall be as great as the mourning for Hadidrim in the plain of Megiddo. The land shall mourn each family by itself. The family of the house of David, there it is right there by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves the family of the house of Levi by itself. Y'all see it? The 12 tribes and their wives, the family of the Shemites by itself and their wives by themselves and all the families that are left each by itself and their wives by themselves. Y'all see it? God will give them the spirit of grace and supplication. English Standard Version, grace and mercy and they will repent of their sin and believe in him. Uh, NIV says, reads verse 10, they will look on me, the one they have pierced. They will mourn from him as one mourns for any child. But then read chapter 13, verse one, because there it is, there's the hope of the atonement. On that day, there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Look at it, to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. In other words, Israel's repentance and faith leads to their cleansing. Somebody catch it. Israel's repentance and faith as we have read it in in Zechariah and in Isaiah, now leads to their cleansing. Y'all, that's the whole purpose of the atonement. When man messes up and realizes that he messes up and he acknowledges that he messes up, God cleanses him from the sin and gives him another chance at righteous living. Amen, somebody. Amen. The Lord Lord basically gives them an opportunity. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20. I'm not going to have you turn there, but you might want to write this scripture down. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20 says, search will be made for Israel's guilt, but there will be none for the sins of Judah. None will be found. Why? For I will forgive the remnant that I spare. Amen. What's the whole point that we're trying to drive here today? The point that we're trying to drive here today is understanding, beloveds, that when God gives you a second chance, when God allows you to be restored after sin, after wrongdoing, he not only restores you, he revives us, he repairs us. He wipes the sin. New Testament says, as far as the east is from the west, what does he do? He cast our sins from us. In other words, once we have been washed, once we have been cleansed, once we confess our sin, God will wipe the slate clean. And today I must rejoice, beloveds, as we wrap this lesson up. I got to rejoice in the fact that because Christ is my atonement, when I mess up and I go back to God and I ask God to forgive me and I ask God to give me another chance, when I repent, what happens? He wipes my slate clean, beloveds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wipes the slate clean, beloveds. Can I say it one more time? For somebody who needs to hear it, your slate has been wiped clean. When you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. You go before God and ask God, please forgive me. Please give me another chance. Folk might hold it over your head, but when you go before God, God wipes the slate, hallelujah, God wipes the slate clean. Y'all excuse me, forgive me. I'm getting excited right here this morning as I look at my own life and see some of the things that I have done. I think about my grandfather, the late Deacon Paul Burst, when he used to pray that if justice had plumbed the line, all of us would be graveyard sons and daughters. But he used to pray in his prayer, God, I thank you that you allow me to live in a cool world and a Bible country where I can hear your gospel ring from shore to shore. Because of who he is, we can be who he desires for us to be. Let me wrap this up, y'all. I'm getting excited. I'm getting my spirits getting stirred up here because it makes you think about where you've been and what you've been through and some of the mistakes you've made and where you could have ended up and some of the things you could have ended up in. And but for the grace of God, amen, somebody, but for the grace of God, there go I. Woo, Lord have mercy. I'm getting happy in here today, y'all. I'm getting happy. I'm getting happy. My spirit is getting stirred this morning. When I think about how I've messed up and how I've sinned and how I've come short and how I've made mistakes and God didn't hold it over my head. Instead, he gave me what? One more chance. Woo, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy when you think about it, y'all, it ought to do something to you. Amen. It ought to do something to you. It ought to make you grateful that you might not be what you want to be. And you might not be what you ought to be. But can you tell God, thank you, that you're not what you used to be? My God, my God, I got to wrap up. I got to wrap up. I got to wrap up. Let Let me hit these last two points. And uh, my time is getting away. Let me let me hit these last two points here and let's let's share real quick. All right. Uh, Point number five. Point number five from the lesson handout deals with the standard of the atonement, the standard of the atonement. Let's let's look now at uh, verses twenty nine through. Oh, help me. Holy Spirit. Twenty nine through thirty four. Yeah, Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 through 34. And let's, let's see what the word of God says to us. Let's see if we can get electronics to cooperate. There they are. All right. Amen. The word of God says, And it shall be a statute for you, to you forever, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, You shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger that sojourns among you. For this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord for all of your sin. You shall be clean before the Lord for all of your sin. It shall be... A Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. And the priest whom ye, he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments, and he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Three things I want to show you here as we wrap up. There are three things I need to show you. The first thing that I want to make sure that you see, beloveds, is the fact that letter A under point number five, uh, we're having some difficulties here in the studio this morning. Just bear with us as we walk through it. Uh, point number, letter A under point number five, understanding the humility and the repentance that comes through the atonement. All right. I want you to see that. Look, look, look again. Look again with me and let's see it. Let's see the humility and the repentance. All right. Because we've talked about this already. When we referenced um, Zechariah chapter 13, we talked about the fact that these there would come a day that the people would be cleansed from their sin and their impurities. All right. There will come a day when the people would be cleansed. There we are. Thank you. There will be humility. There will be humility and repentance in that day. God will give them an opportunity to make it right, to be right, to be uh, to set right. Look, look there with me real quick at verse 29, because look at what he's doing. God says, I'm setting a statute. I'm setting a method and a means of practice. There are certain things that I expect done among my people. Once a year, they should come. They should offer themselves uh, before God. They should make it right between me and them. All right. Then look uh, a little bit further. He says in verse 30, on this day, shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord for all of your sin. It's gonna be a day of rest. It's gonna be a day of rest. You shall afflict yourselves. It'll be a statute forever. They are actually approaching God for repentance. Not only are they reproaching God for repentance, Point number two, letter B, there will be a season of fasting. There will be a season of sacrifice. These are the standards that are found, which leads me to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Let's look at it real quick. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. The word of God says, I appeal to you, I beseech you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Just as in the Old Testament, they offered uh, blood of goats and bulls. In the Old Testament, Paul comes now and says, for us as New Testament believers, we don't have to offer the blood of goats and bulls. What he wants is you and I that we present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And how is it done? Look at verse two. We are not conformed to this world. We don't follow the patterns of the world, but we are transformed by the changing of our minds that we will prove, That by testing, the the King James Version says it will prove, by testing you will discern what the will of God is. What is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. People of God, when you get it right with God and you are serious about keeping it right with God, there is something in you, there should be something in you that desires a stronger, closer walk, and relationship with God. Amen, somebody, amen, amen. We should begin to see that, that this whole process of atonement was meant to restore the relationship between man and God. Sacrifices were made to symbolize the restoration. For us, Christ is dying on the cross, going into the grave and rising again is the scapegoat, is the means by which we have a restored, revived, repaired, and renewed relationship with God. All we have to do is confess our sins. And when we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So as we close today's lesson, let's take a look real quick There are four things that I want to make sure that you see that this lesson allows us to apply this this process of atonement, being made right or renewed with God, um, how we can apply it to our lives. There are four things I want to show you and then we'll be done. Number one, I need you to remember what Paul said in Romans chapter three, verse twenty five uh Romans 5 verse 11 and then Romans uh 5:19 In Romans 3:25 look at what he says he says God put forward as a propitiation of our sin by his blood to be received by faith this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance look at it He had passed over former sins. Romans chapter five, verse 11 says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. King James Version says, the atonement. And then look at verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, So by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Jesus paid it all. Letter B, because of his sacrifice, we have a second chance. We have a renewal of relationship. We have a fresh and closer walk with God. Letter C is a quote from Dr. Warren Wiersbe. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said the privilege of forgiveness carries the obligation of commitment. Remember what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter six, beloved, when he taught the model prayer, he closed the model prayer saying, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither, will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses? We must understand we have been forgiven so that we can be forgiving. And then fourth and finally, as we wrap up chapter 16, I pray that we have seen in this lesson that sin and disobedience in the eyes of God is serious. From the very beginning of this chapter, How many times have we heard God say in so many words, do it my way or you suffer the consequence. We must understand beloveds that it's gotta be his way. He's made the path easy. He's made it available. He said, all we gotta do is come before him. And if we come before him, he will in no wise, that's the word of God, he will for no reason, Cast us out. He said, once you're in my hand, this is what Jesus said. Nobody can pluck you out. Nobody can put you out, but you can walk out. That's what sin does. Sin allows us to be separated from God. But when we confess our sin, he allows us to be reconnected. That's the standard that comes in forgiveness. Once we have been forgiven, we too must be willing to forgive others. And so, beloveds, we've wrapped up chapter 16, a very powerful chapter in the book of Leviticus, as we understand the means of atonement being made right in the eyesight of God. And so now that we are made right, we move forward in living a life. Once it's made right, then the question comes, what's next? Well, what's next is what we're going to deal with next week when we come back together. Next week, if the Lord shall say the same, we're going to dive in to chapter 17. And in chapter 17 through chapter 20, we're going to see how God is going to allow his people to not just proclaim holiness, but we must practice holiness. I promise you it's going to be an insightful lesson, and uh, I need you to stick with us. Stay with us as we continue to walk through the word of God together. We thank God for this opportunity. I thank God for this privilege, and I thank him for this chance. And of course, as always, beloveds, if you have any questions from today's lesson, Leviticus chapter 16, if you have any questions from the lesson, by all means, Drop those questions in the comment section. We will see them there and we will be more than happy. We will do our level best to be found answering your questions to the best of our ability. Don't confess to know everything, but don't mind studying to make sure that I give you the correct answer according to the word of God. And beloveds, I thank God for this opportunity. We are certainly grateful and thankful that we've had this chance to share with you today. And uh, I pray that what has been said today has been a source of strength, power, encouragement, information, and inspiration to your walk with God. Now, St. James family, don't forget the other meetings and announcements as they have been shared with you this past Sunday. Uh, Don't forget on tomorrow at 12 noon, we have prayer via our telephone conference line. We invite you to join us for one hour of power From 12 to 1, Minister Stephanie Barnes leads our midday hour of prayer, and we invite you to join her and those who join on the telephone conference line. That number is 425-585-7728. You will not need an access code. You just dial that number, and it will bring you right into uh, the conference room. Uh, Do not forget tomorrow evening, Inspirational Voices. Rehearsal is taking place tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Certainly looking forward to seeing you there at that time. Don't forget New Testament Word Walk. We got another and powerful lesson. I declare last week's lesson was so powerful uh, from 1 Timothy. We're continuing in our study of 1 Timothy. We're going to take a look at chapter 2 this week as we talk about the power of a praying church. Man, I told you, you you just want to be in in, in the right place at the right time on Thursday morning as we walk through the word of God to our uh, marriage ministry. Don't forget our fellowship Friday evening at 630 in the Fellowship Hall of St. James Church. Look forward to seeing you there. We are excited as we have come to the end of the month of January. Sunday will be the last Sunday. Can you believe that? We've already come to the last Sunday uh, in the month of January. The Lord shall say the same and uh, as the Spirit shall lead and guide. I'm actually going to begin a very special sermon series beginning this coming Sunday that's going to carry us through the season of Lent uh, as we prepare for the resurrection and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to be preaching beginning this Sunday uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And I want you to come and be a part of our walk through the word of God as we begin to see this season of Lent and prepare to embrace the season of Lent as a time of spiritual reconnection and soul preparation. And so we're going to talk about it as we deal with the Sermon on the Mount. There are so many different things that Jesus deals with with the people. And I want to share them with you as the Lord gives them to me. So you definitely want to be in the house this coming Sunday. Sunday schools uh, begins at 915 Cyber Sunday School and new members class begins at nine o'clock in person. Sunday school begins at 915 and of course Sunday morning worship begins promptly at 10:30 a.m. We're looking forward to a great, grand, and glorious time in the Lord as we gather together. Again, we're praying for all of those who are sick, shut in, those whose hearts are saddened and bereavement at this hour. Our prayers go out with you that the peace of God that passeth all understanding will cover you and keep you in these trying times to God be the glory. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God that we are together next Tuesday to dive in chapter 17 of Leviticus. And I am looking forward to seeing you in in the place at that time. Until such time, beloveds, blessings be upon you. Let's close in a word of prayer as we prepare to part from today's session. Father, in Jesus' name, I say thank you for this time that you've given us to come together. Thank you for your word Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the strength of your word. Thank you that our steps continue to be ordered by your word. Father, lead us, guide us, and direct us. Let everything we do say and think be found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. Remember everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening, dear Heavenly Father, I pray today that this word has spoken to them. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross and give us right to Eternal life. We love you so much. We thank you so much. Keep us and we'll be kept. Bless us and we'll be blessed as we want to be found giving your name the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Blessings upon all of you is my prayer. We look forward to seeing you this week. Look forward to seeing you in worship on Sunday. And until next Tuesday, be blessed, be safe. And know as always, beloved, we love you all.